Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm just going to get myself set up here. Oh, great. Thanks, Demi. Got my essential things, my notes, my glasses. And yeah, we might move that one just out of the way because I will likely uh, trip on that. Thank you. We've got a full house today. It's great to see. Normally, this front row is empty, but uh, it's good to see uh, people sitting up the front. And your first time here. And did I see that you've already joined a life group? Fantastic. In a life group before you even come to church. That's amazing. Well, welcome. I hope you really enjoy church today. Um, doesn't it really feel like God's already doing something in the house today? Who, who has already been touched by God this morning? Yeah. There you go, worship team. God's been using you this morning. Um, it's good. I know I was talking to Pedro before the service and he's like, Oh, I'm so tired. I went to bed at nine o'clock last night. I was so tired and I still haven't sleep. And he's like, I hope God uses me this morning. And there you go. He did. <laughs> uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, who has ever seen the show Mythbusters? Yeah? Yeah. Um, it's a bit of an old show. It's been around for maybe 10 years or even a bit longer. Uh, but it was a show where they really decided to take some of the myths that we believe and break them apart and see what really is true. Like uh, things like, can you walk on water if you have uh, planks of wood tied to your feet? Uh, is that possible? Uh, another one is... Um, Depending on where you are in the world, does that impact which way the water goes down the drain? Uh, these are really important things to know. Um, but there was a whole show dedicated to it. Uh, another one was, and um, uh, it's, if you chop a worm in half, my dad always used to say this, if you chop a worm in half, it makes two worms. Uh, now, this Again, a hotly contested myth, and I am going to put Julia on the spot here because she is a biology teacher. She has no idea I was going to ask her this. But if you chop a worm in half, does it make two worms or is it just make a dead? Two half worms. So it makes a dead worm. Okay, myth solved. Now, I have a very another, another very, very hotly contested myth uh, that I'm going to need all of your help to, serve today, uh, to solve today. And this is a myth um, that is uh, hotly contested around the world. Um, it divides families. Uh, and I'm going to see what it does here because it's a very important myth. And you'll find that you probably have a very strong opinion about this. And the myth is, well, the question is, which way does the toilet paper roll go? Is it over or under? Okay, so we've just been singing about standing up for our beliefs. So I'm going to get you all to stand up, stand strong and proud for your belief. Are you an under person? Okay. Oh, we've got a few, a few brave people. 
Good on you. Okay. Stand up, all the over people. Okay. I think, I think that's sold. I think, I think that was almost unanimous, but good on you, people that are prepared to go against the tide. Like, that's really good. Now, I need another thing for you to stand up. How many of you will change the toilet roll around if you're in a place where it is the wrong way according to what you believe? Stand up if that's you. Yep. These are people that really know how to stand up for our belief. And Jordan and Miranda, if you were looking in my handbag and you saw wondering why I had toilet paper in there, that is why. (laughs) So this morning, I want to talk about doing hard things. And uh, we have a bit of a, a hotly or contested belief that we have in Christianity often. And um, it's something that we, we often know is, is wrong, but we still kind of believe it anyway. Uh, and it's this. If I could have the next slide, please. Something that Jesus never said. Now that you're my followers, I can dar- guarantee that your life will become a whole lot easier. You'll never be sick again. Your finances will increase your relationships with others will improve and you'll become successful. I'll place you in influential positions so that the world will gradually improve and be jealous of what you have. Note the heading, what Jesus never said. But yeah, it's something that we often believe, isn't it? We often have this belief that if we follow God, it means that we're going to Uh, you know, there's an old song, Tip Top Through the Tulips, showing my age there. Or, you know, you're walking through silver lined clouds. God is with me. I'm his favourite. He's going to lay the way before me and everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be good. That's what we believe, isn't it, really? Like if you ask someone, maybe you've even said it to yourself or maybe you don't say it out loud, but it's something that you think in your head that God is going to do, that everything is just, I'm a Christian now, everything's going to be great. But I want to contest that belief. And you might be going, oh, Leanne, this isn't a really good sermon today. (laughs) You might be thinking, oh, give me some good news. But the good news is that whatever the journey is, God is with you. He promises never to leave you. He promises never to forsake you. And it doesn't matter whether you're going through good times or hard times, God is with you. Wouldn't you rather follow a God that is with you in difficult times than a God that abandons you in those times? Because this is what this belief leads to. It it leads to if you, you know, if you're going through a difficult time, then and you believe that God always makes everything great, well, then the only conclusion that you come to when you go through a difficult time is that God mustn't be for me anymore. And then we start believing that God isn't for us, that he doesn't love us, that he doesn't care for us. Has anyone walked into that trap before? I'd say if I asked everyone to stand up, we'd probably have a full room. So I think we have this unspoken myth in Christianity that if we follow God and if we do his will, 
everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be going okay. Uh, And what happens is we get upset when God isn't who we said he would be. We hold him to who we say he is, not who he says he is. And we sort of misinterpret scripture. We misinterpret our understanding of who God is. And this only leads to disappointment. It only, like how many people do you know have walked away from God because they hit a card time and then they couldn't, they couldn't reconcile it. Oh, God would never do that. God would never let this happen to me. You know, I think, I think we've all softened a little bit on that through the pandemic. We've decided to go, we've seen that God can be with us in dark times. Um, but often in Christianity, we don't have this uh, theology of suffering. We don't have this theology of thing, when things are going wrong. And then when something goes wrong, we can't handle it because we haven't sort of dug into our theology about how God lives in that space. And we need to understand who God is and who he really says he is. Not who we say he is, but who God says he is. And he is the God who says he will never leave you or forsake you. He doesn't say the road will be um, silver lined and everything you do will work out. He doesn't say that. But he always says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I hope today... If that's the one thing you get from this whole sermon, that's what I want you to get, that God is not, um, he's not um, having this silver lining for you because it's an important thing to remember because otherwise it starts impacting our relationship with God and we don't, we can't, we can't follow him because if we're always thinking he's left us, he's abandoned us, he's not for us, then... It doesn't, doesn't give us that security and faith that we need in our faith. So let's base our faith on what God really says he is. Um, but you might be going, you might be going, but Leanne, the Bible says in Romans 8.28, and I'm sorry, I didn't put a slide for this, it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his perfect, pers- purpose. Romans 8.28, God works together for the good of those that love him. I think we often take this verse and we misinterpret it. There are even some songs we sing in church that say, God works all things together for my good. Not what it says. It says he works things together for good for all of those who love him. So, you know, if something's going wrong in your life, God can work it together for good. Just doesn't necessarily mean it's for your good. It could be for someone else's good. Um, how many of you have ever been through something difficult and then you've been able to, you know, because you've been through something difficult, you've grieved, you've processed it, you've taken it to God, you now have a language to talk about that thing that can just cut through and so anyone else going through that situation, you can speak to and they know that you know and uh, you can bring comfort to them. Has anyone ever been through anything like that where you've been through an experience? Yeah, I'm seeing lots of hands going up. You know, it's not necessarily for your good what you're going through, but it will be for good. 
It will be for something else. And I'm wondering, are we going to be the kind of people that don't have a selfish faith where it's all about us? Or are we going to be the kind of people that have a faith that says, no, I'll go through a tough time for someone else. I'll go through a tough time because that's what God wants. I'll go through a tough time because it's going to help build the kingdom of God. Are you going to be that kind of person? Are you going to be that kind of person that will sacrifice? Are you going to be that kind of person that's prepared to suffer? Are you going to be that kind of person that when things are going wrong, you're not going to give up just because it doesn't feel like God's with you anymore? Because he always says he is. He never, he will never leave you or forsake you, never. So as we go on and and continue debunking this myth, um, you know, if we don't understand this properly, we just end up disappointed in God. As soon as something hard comes along, we can't reconcile it. God wouldn't do that. And then you realise, well, you weren't believing in the real God anyway. So let's take our blinders off and understand who God really is because he's much more powerful than just a Santa Claus that gives us whatever we want. He is working towards a world that doesn't have poverty in it. He is working to a world that doesn't have crime in it, that doesn't have selfishness in it. He's working on that and he calls you into that battle. He calls you in and says, hey, I want you to be a part. I want you to be a part. You know, I want you to be a part of this. That's what God is calling you into into bringing restoration to the earth, into bringing his kingdom here. And sometimes in doing that, it causes us to suffer because, unbelievably, there is an enemy. There is, there is someone that does not want this to happen. And it's usually when you're stepping into something, like if, if you're not stepping into things of God, well, you know, the devil doesn't ever have to bother about you. You're taken care of. But if, but if you're stepping into something from God, like if you're in stepping into what he's calling you to, then you're starting to become enemy number one. But are you going to do it? Are you going to be the kind of person that will live out what God is calling you in to be? Are you going to be the kind of person that follows God wherever he sends you? Are you? Are you going to be the kind of person that stands up? If you think about the people in the Bible, like uh, the apostles or the disciples, you know, they all followed God to everything, but a lot of them were crucified, a lot of them were killed. And I'm no no way saying that everyone in this room is going to be crucified or killed. (laughs) But let's change our expectation of what following God is. It's not walking in this favour of God. It's walking in um, doing good in the world and being okay with that, even if it doesn't turn out being for your good that day. It's following in the footsteps of a God who fought for us in death and sacrifice and following that. You know, a lot of the times we, we interpret um, when, when things start going wrong and we're following God, when things, when things start going wrong, we go, oh, I must be out of God's will now. But quite often... Following God's will will take you into places where there is opposition, where things go wrong. Um, look, if you read, read Psalm 23, and we're going to have a quick look at it here, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So far, so good. We all like that part. Yep. Yep. Okay. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Still good. I like that. He's got me on the right path. That's good. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Uh Uh-oh. This isn't where I wanted to be. And, that's, and it's when we're in that darkest valley that that's when we start questioning. That's when we go, oh, am I in the will of God? Am I doing what he meant for me to do? I thought, and it's this, it's this myth that we believe that everything will start coming easy to us. And that's not what God's promised. Because it says, like, even though I walk in the darkest valley, but then you look in the verse before and it says, he leads me along the right paths. See? So you see right paths, darkest valley. And we're like, oh, no, that's not right. We think right paths, favour. Right paths, everything working out. But it is the right path. And it's not for our sake, it's for his name's sake. So are you prepared to be a person that walks along the right path for his name's sake? Are you prepared to be a person that will go through the darkest valley because that's where God wants you to go because he's trying to do something in you that will do good, maybe not for you but for someone else? Are you prepared? Because this is the kind of sacrifice uh, we need to have if we're following God. If we're going to be obedient to his calling somewhere along the way, You're going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to go, is this about my good or is this about our good? Because God is not, he's interested in you, but he's not only interested in you. He's interested in bringing the kingdom of God to this world. That's all of us. And that's who he wants to bring. And sometimes that means, Tosin, you've got to go through a dark valley to... um, to help someone else find who God is or to help someone else go through a struggle. You know, are you prepared to do that? Uh, And if you keep reading the psalm, it goes on and then you find out that even though it was a dark valley, you end up triumphing anyway. But it's it's not that the dark valley went away. It's that you just outgrew it. You outgrew the the kind of um, hold that that valley has on you. And that's the kind of people we are. We are triumphant, victorious victorious people, not because we didn't go through something, but because we, we went through it and we came out stronger in God, we came out uh, closer to God, we know who we are more and we're even more determined to keep following him. And we did it for the good of all of us. Are you going to be that kind of person? Now, Jesus often talks about this. If you uh, look at, at Matthew 16, 24 to 20, 26, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, so this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
Whoever wants to be their disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, the cross is not like this nice thing that you wear on your neck. You know, in the time when Jesus was saying this, the cross was a device of torture. The cross was what you carried to your execution. The cross was death to self. And isn't that the thing that we're always doing when it's, when it's my will or God's will? It's, it's always a battle of who's getting their own way. Is it you getting your own way or is it God getting your own way? And that's what following uh, the God of the Bible is, is saying, you know, if you're going to follow me, then you're taking up your cross daily. You're, you're dying to yourself daily. And it's more about what God wants for your life than what you want for your life. And hopefully, and a lot of the time, those two things collide. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes God wants something more for you than you want for yourself. But it's going to take a bit of work to get there. So it's not about like carrying your cross and like I've got this burden that I've got and I've got to carry it and can't everyone see me carrying it and life is hard and now it's really difficult and um, yeah and everyone can, can you see my cross can you see this cross I bear that's not what it is it's taking up the cross that's like every decision you make is this what God wants or what I want and when they're the same great but when they're different Am I going to go God's way? That's dying daily to yourself. So this is, is what God wants. Um, now, taking up your cross can look different to different people. For someone, taking up your cross might be, I need to forgive that person today that did that horrible thing to me. You know, forgiving someone can be hard. That can be really difficult work, but it's the work of taking up your cross. Could taking up your cross today be waiting? We don't like that one, do we? <laughs> but it could be, it could be waiting. Um, taking up your cross could be stepping out in faith in something you haven't done before and actually taking a step um, into it that you haven't done before. Perhaps that's what taking up your cross today is. Maybe taking, taking up your cross is working on getting rid of that habit that you've got. Or maybe it's working on building a habit that you haven't got, like reading the Bible every day. Maybe taking up your cross is apologising to someone. Maybe taking up your cross is giving to someone. Um, maybe taking up your cross is standing up for an injustice. Only you know. It's between you and God. Like there can be a million different crosses in this very room about what God wants all of us to do. But the question is, is are you taking up your cross? And it's this continual battle between God's will and your will. And isn't that what the Garden of Eden was? Battle of wills. I want what I want versus what God wants for me. And I know better, not you, God. But God, if we're going to be followers of Jesus and we're going to take up our cross daily, we're going to follow, we're eventually going to have to make the call, eventually, 
Um, do I follow what God wants for me or do I follow what I want for me? You know, it's a call to surrender. So I want to talk a little bit about, and, and we in our life group this week, we were actually talking about this. What happens when you come to a point where you know there's God's will and my will, God wants me to do something, maybe I don't want to do it, and I say no. Anyone done that? Any honest people in the room? I think we've all at some stage said no to God. Um, I know I have. I remember um, I, th- I had this period of prolonged saying no to God. Um, I eventually said yes, but probably more because I didn't like the consequences of saying no. But it was a time when um, God was challenging me, will I move out of my house so that um, I can live with less so that others can have more? And it was a really difficult time for me because I lived in a super nice apartment along the river. This is in Melbourne. And, um, and it was nice. And, you know, like I kind of had pride that I lived in this nice house and, and, and everything. And, um, and God was challenging me, will you live with less so that others can have more? And what I really felt like he was challenging me is, will you live with such less that you're moving into a house with a family? And at this stage, I was 35, so you kind of like your independence then. And uh, would I move out of my self-sufficient apartment where I'm very independent to live with a family so that all of my income can go to not on, on rent but on other on giving other things and giving things to mission and, and stuff like that? And it just felt crazy to me. But, like, God was really talking to me about it. And, you know, and I sought the advice of, of elders in my church and I talked to them and going, is this just crazy? Is this just stupid or, or what? And um, in the end, I just didn't want to do it. I'm like, I like my apartment. Everyone else has an apartment. Why can't I have an apartment? Um, you know, why can't, why can't I have these things? And... Um, yeah, and like I didn't like the sacrifice that God was asking me to make. And um, it, was, it was difficult and I just kept saying no. I think for three months I kept saying no until I realised something. It was like God and I weren't very close anymore. God and I uh, didn't have this close relationship anymore. It's like... The conversation was all about this and we were fighting about it. That's what it felt like. It felt like that this was going to be the thing that um, pulled us together or pulled us apart. Now, God will never leave me or forsake me, I know that. But I think you can have levels of intimacy with God and your obedience will choose how intimate you get to be with God. And I was being disobedient. And I was like, Eventually, after about three months, I was sitting there going, God, like, where are you? Like, I I don't have this sense of calling in my life anymore. I don't have this sense of closeness to you. You're not speaking to me about anything except that. Um, I'm not liking this. And eventually I had to choose, do I want my relationship with God or do I want the apartment? And I chose God eventually. But it took, took three months to get there. Because it, it was a big decision. And I think that's something, you know, if you've ever said no to God, 
know that he knows that you need the time to argue it out. And it's in that time where he will transform your mind into choosing what's better. Um, But eventually you're probably going to have to decide that if you're in an arm wrestle with God, that he's probably a bit stronger than you. And that... um, and that he'll eventually win. And do you want this to be the sticking point that you're always coming back to? Or do you want to move on, embrace what God's got for you and keep going? You know, obedience is a, is a thing. So if you've said no to God, know that it's not too late to repent for past things. Maybe you're thinking of something right now that you've said no to God before about. And... Um, Maybe you're feeling a bit like in your gut, like shame right now. But know that God will take you back. He is the God that knows that you make mistakes. He is the God uh, that's like, well, let's pick up and keep going. Let's turn it around and move forward. Like God is so concerned about his relationship with you and his level of intimacy with you that he'll endure you going through some pain to get there because he wants you to grow and grow closer to him, because he has, uh, despite what I've said about suffering, despite what I've said about no silver clouds, um, he has got so much for you. He is a God of more than you can dream or imagine. It might be not the way that you imagine, but he's the God of more than you can dream or imagine. You know, I was listening to a webinar this week um, by Phil Pringle, who runs the C3 churches, um, which is which is all over the world. And he was talking about a time when he said no to God. And he was at a uh, conference, and it was in front of like it was in Asia, and there was a crowd of like a hundred thousand people there for a prayer meeting, and it was his turn to pray. And he really felt that God was saying to him. Uh, I want you to prophesy that the sun will shine. But the only problem is it had been raining for, for like months at this time. And he looked at the clouds because he could see them and it was all stormy and everything. And he's like, no, no, I can't, I can't prophesy that. So instead he just prayed. And he said, he closed his eyes and he prayed and and said, um, you know, God, let there be sunshine. When he opened his eyes, there was sunshine. But it was a lesson to him because um, a couple of months later, he was in another similar situation where God was telling him, I want you to prophesy that that it will rain uh, after a drought. And, and he's like, oh, and then he said, and God reminded him, remember in Asia? <laughs> and then he went, okay, and then he did it and, and everything happened that he said he would do. But it's kind of like that, isn't it? Um, God, God knows how to restore us even when we say no to him. But... Like, I don't like talking about things just from one direction. I don't like talking about just following God and and that's what we should do and this is what you should do because we're all going to get it wrong. That's part of our Christian walk. Um, uh, We have to walk through the darkest valley. But eventually, after we've walked through the valley, we end up triumphing over it and it becomes part of our testimony. It becomes part of our transformation. And are you, I want to ask you today, are you open to God transforming your life? 
Are you open for him to be working on the inner thinking that you've got in your head? Are you open to him working on the attitudes of your heart? Are you open to him working on your character? I want to ask you, are you open to that? Because this is where all this interplays. This is where following God in obedience is important. Doing it his way. Um, Because all of those things involve battle of the will. Um, And it's what God says or what the Bible says versus what we want. And that's been the whole... That's been the whole... um, the whole issue since the moment sin came into the world, this battle of wills. Are we going to go with what God says we want or are we going to go with what our flesh says we want? And we've got to learn to triumphant over it. If we look at uh, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this interplay. He says in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. Who can, who can understand that? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, I want to do this. And then this next sentence, we're like, yep, I get this. It says, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. That's the thing when you're trying to overcome sin in your life or overcome a habit. It's kind of like, but I hate this. Um, And it seems to have triumphant over me. Um, And then it continues, if I, if I do what I, if, Oh, it's hard to read this without getting tongue-tied. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Um, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, and this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. You know, it is the sin living in you. We all have a sinful nature. So even when you make a mistake, even when you get it wrong, even when you do that thing that God's asked you not to do and you do it again, Know that that is your sinful nature and that is what Jesus died for. He has done everything already for you to be triumphant over this, even if it takes 70 times, seven uh, times for you to, to overcome it. He's there for you to overcome it. But he needs to lead you by your heart. And if your heart is saying, yes, God, I want to follow you. Yes, God, I will do it your way rather than my way. That's what's important. So when you go home tonight uh, or this afternoon, read Romans uh, 7 again. And uh, it's a bit like reading a puzzle sometimes. But, uh, but do read it. So what happens when you say yes? When you say yes... It might not be like a rose garden for you to walk through, but you will have peace. You will have confidence that God is with you. You will be stepping into all that God has for you. And that can be super exciting. Like I know like the first time I ever took like a step of faith that felt crazy. And um, like, and even when I sold my, um, when I moved out of that apartment and into the house with the family, It was kind of like I felt like I was surrounded by miracles. It kind of felt like I was 
stepping into something that God had for me. Has anyone ever felt like that? Like you're actually stepping into calling that God has for you? That's what it can be. Like when you're following God, you know, and you're stepping into into the things that he's asked you to do, it's kind of like you get this like inner confidence that like God's on my side. It's like if you're in a fight in the in the schoolyard and you've got and the big kid comes up and stands next to you. It's a bit like that. Like God is with you. You know, you have this peace and you have this confidence. Uh, sometimes miracles happen. Um, actually, that day when um, when I actually rang up this family and said, "Hey, can I come and live with you?" The thing that I had been not wanting to do for three months. Um, I rang them up and I'm like, oh, gosh, how do I talk to someone and say, hey, can I come and live with you? Um, and um, when, I, when I rang them up, they said, oh, hi, how are you going? We've, we've been wondering what you're doing. And then I said, and then they go, oh, what's happening with you? And I said, well, I'm moving. And they're like, where? And I go, I don't know. And they straight away, well, do you want to come and live with us? I said, well, actually, that's what I was ringing about. And they're like, yeah, well, we've had the house, we've had the room for three months and we've been keeping it for you. We've just been waiting for you to call. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. And then you feel like you're really stepping into something and you're really getting it. But, like, the more steps that you take in obedience to God, the more you get to know him, the more confidence you have in the calling that he's called you to, the more confidence you have in what he's doing. Um, and that you're hearing his voice correctly. Like after that, I knew I had heard God's voice. And that's how you build up. You build up like your faith muscle. You build up your obedience muscle. And I ask you, what is God saying to you to do today? What is taking up your cross to do for you to do today? Sometimes when you step into something, miracles happen. But sometimes you just have to do what is right. Sometimes... You know, you know that there's a rift between you and this person and you need to go sort it out. It's right. Maybe it doesn't feel good, but it's right. And that's what we have to do. So what happens when you say yes? It builds for your future. You start, I like to call it, you start growing into a bigger jacket. It's kind of like um, all of you that have little daughters. Um, I don't know if Jade's into this yet, but, um, you know, putting on her mum's shoes and they're walking around and they're too big. Well, it's kind of like that with your calling and your obedience with God. It's like you're putting on God-sized shoes that are way too big for you. But as you start following God, you start growing into them and you start getting bigger. Uh, It's the only time that you want to put on weight and get bigger. Uh, It's like you're building up all your faith muscles. You're building up all your... Your, um, your expectations, you're building up your knowledge of who God is and who he says he is and what the word says. And all these things start growing. And, you, and that's where even if you find yourself in a dark valley, all these things help you to build up and go around. And then you find out that the valley just doesn't, doesn't feel dark anymore to you. It doesn't have any power over you anymore because you've taken the little that you have, your step of obedience, and followed God and he's partnered with you and suddenly you're able to do much more than you ever could before. Now, I do want to go because like after a sermon like this, we can all stand up and raise our hands in the air and go, yes, I'm go- God, I'm going to follow you anywhere. But um, that's not actually what God is after. 
He's after an actual yes. Um, And what I mean is this, if we look in Matthew 21, someone asked Jesus about this. And Jesus said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. So God is not afraid of you starting with a no, but he wants you to end up with a yes. But beware the yes of best intentions and no follow through. God wants you to actually follow through with your yeses to him. Understand that, um, that when you follow God um, and you say no and then you turn it into a yes, um, or even if you said no and it never turned into a yes, that can be the playground of the devil. That can be the playground where he heaps on you that you're not a good Christian. You're not really following God. God is not with you. And he'll start turning what started out as guilt and he'll turn it into shame. God never turns guilt into shame. He turns guilt into repentance. And they're two different things. So repentance is where you go, okay, God, I'm sorry. I stuffed it up. I'm going to do better next time. And I'm going to work with you next time that decision comes up. I'm going to say yes rather than no. Um, Shame is I'm no good. Jesus couldn't love me. He could never use me ever again. See, one is moving forward. The other is staying where you are or moving backwards. Shame is the language of the devil. Restoration and repentance is the language of God. Go with that if you've found yourself in a place where you gave God a no. Um, If we could have the worship team up, please. Uh, Guilt turned into shame can cripple us. Uh, But if you have repented, it is done. So today, maybe some of you have something that you need to bring to the cross. Maybe there's something that you've been saying no to, or alternatively, something that you've been saying yes to that you should be saying no to. And you need to bring it to God right now. I'm going to ask you now, will you follow God? Will you take up your cross today? It says in to take up your cross daily. Is today the day you're going to take up your cross? Is today the day that you're going to say, God, I'm going to give you my yes and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take up my cross because that's what you require of me. It doesn't matter if it's for my good or for someone else's good. Just turn it into good. It doesn't matter if it leads me through the darkest valley because I want to follow you and I want my desire to be what you desire. If that's you, why don't you stand up and I want to pray for you. Will you follow God today wherever he will take you? I want to give you a moment.
Take a moment to think about it. Will you follow God? Will you take up your cross? Will you be obedient to Him no matter what He calls you to? Lord, I want to pray for all these people that are standing up right now. Lord, they want to give all their moments to you. They want to live their life your way. They want to follow where you lead. Even if it requires more of them than they want to give right now. Father, I pray that your voice in their head would be louder than their own as they offer their life in service to you. God, I pray that you would bless each one of these people. I pray that you would empower them with your Holy Spirit to follow everything that you want them to. I pray that they would leave behind the myth of it's got to be rose, um, it's got to be walking in through silver clouds, silver lined clouds every time they follow you. I pray that they give up the myth of it's got to be for my good. And God, I just pray that you would use them today and every other day following this as they follow you. I pray that right now, they would sense that they are stepping into calling that you have for them through their obedience. I pray that they would um, repent right now for all the no's that they've said to you or the not yet's that they've said to you. And God, I pray that you would just take any shame that they have off their hearts and just replace it with repentance and moving forward. God, I pray that you would touch people. I pray that you would move through them powerfully today. And that, Lord, that each one of these people standing would have a transformed life from this point forward. And that you would use them mightily. In Jesus' name.